Good morning, Tapper Church. My name's Will. If you could remain standing while we read God's word, um, we're going to read it together this morning. Um, if you're a guest, I just want to say welcome this morning, and uh, so thankful you're here with us. Uh, I'm going to read our scripture today. Um, at the end of this, we all get an opportunity to say, this is the word of the Lord, or I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. Everyone else has an opportunity to respond with, speak, Lord, your servant's here. Okay? Um, I forgot the, uh, the little stick for our soundboard, and I discovered it during the last little chorus we just sang, so I just ran and grabbed it and got back up here, so now I'm like out of breath, because... The cardio workout right now is really, really present. So, <laughs> um, all right, Romans 12, one through five is our text this morning. And I'm gonna take a breath and then I'm gonna read. I, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. This is the word of the Lord. Awesome. You can all grab a seat, and I'm going to pray for us. Father, thanks for this day. We praise you for this opportunity to get together and to worship you as, as one body. I, I thank you so much for every single person sitting in a seat here. I thank you so much for those that are in Taproot Kids. I thank you for uh, people that are serving in different ways around this building. I just thank you that this building gets to be an opportunity to be a light on this earth um, that, that reflects your presence and your goodness, Lord. Um, I, I just lift up this morning. I'm so thankful for the treat that it is to, to get to hear from Cliff this morning and the treat it is for us as a body to continue to grow and to uh, mature and to be transformed um, by just renewing ourselves to more and more the image of who we are designed to be as human beings. So thank you, Father, for your goodness and for your grace and for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, Tabard Church, like I kind of mentioned in my prayer, um, I get to introduce a really, really special guest today. Um, so uh, we're going to have Cliff Roth get up, and he's going to preach our word this morning. And uh, this guy is really, really important and special to me, because um, in about 2018, I, uh, I kind of came to Mike being like, I kind of had hit a low in my spirituality, a low in my marriage, a low in some struggles with some things. And um, I reached out and basically got connected with Cliff and started meet with, meeting with him very regularly and uh, we've been meeting ever since. He's just been a rock star in my life, such a help to help me to pursue Jesus in new and profound ways. And so he's gonna come up and preach the word. So Cliff, come on up, buddy. Yes. So this is Cliff. It's a a gift to be here, and believe it or not, that Will and I are not related. (laughs) Everyone since I've been in here has been like, oh my gosh, you guys are like twins. And uh, (laughs) this morning I decided... I need to start a coffee shop in Twin Falls called the Twin Human Beans. Oh, wow. Wow. What's up? (laughs) There it is. We should do that. Let's go. Let's go. 
Come out of twin. You can move oh, out gosh. here if you want. The twin human beings. Can I pray for you? Oh, you want I know to I prayed, pray. but I want to pray again. All right. All right. Father, you're so good. Thanks for Cliff. Thanks for just the, the mercies and the opportunity we have to, to get to learn from your word this morning and uh, through, his, through his lips, through his mouth, and ultimately through your word, God. You're so good. Um, be with my brother. Thank you so much for the blessing he is on me, and I know so many others, and thank you for the ministry he does for pastors, for ministry workers, for leaders in the church, for people just struggling. And we thank you for your, your love, God, and we thank you for your grace and your goodness. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. Great to be here with all of you. Um, I've heard so much about you as a church, and thankfully I have been able to relate with some of you on a very personal level, which has been such a gift to me uh, and to my wife, Sally, who thankfully is going to get to be here in just a few days, and we're, we're kind of hanging out. Uh, we're going to be here next weekend, too, working, uh, talking about marriage, and uh, I'm really excited about that. If you uh, have plans already to be here for that, I'm grateful if you don't. Um, you know, let's figure it out. Let's figure it out. Let us know what you need. We want to try to make that possible for you to be here. I know babysitters, I've heard that thing come up a lot. So uh, I'm praying that God provides if you're trying to be here for that this weekend, this next weekend. So, um, well, I, I got to, when I, when I got here, uh, Will said, hey, what are you going to preach on? And I said, I think I'm going to preach my favorite chapter in the Bible, which is Romans 12. I want to preach the whole chapter, but that would take us like 12 years. And so, I think we're just going to hit the first five verses. But then he was like, well, that's awesome because we've been reading that like every week or something, right? Uh, reading Romans 12. So uh, the Lord kind of brought that together. Um, but I am very, very passionate about this chapter of the Bible. And by passionate, what I mean is uh, it's the fuel in my tank. Uh, it is what keeps me going. Um, I, I, my job is uh, to talk about relationships and to talk about the challenges of relationships, but more importantly, to talk about the beauty and the power of relationships, because relationships are what you were created for. You were created for connection. You were created for love, and you were created by love. God is right, and he made you so that he could experience love with you, and so that you could experience love out of the overflow of his love for you, which is pretty amazing. And that's, that's what I'm passionate about. And this chapter is all about love. It's all about the real life kind of love. It's like, you know, you kind of have love. There's like dreamy love. And then there's like real love. You know what I'm talking about? The kind of love that like wipes butts. You know what I mean? Like, it's real. Like, it's real. And I, and I don't mean that in an exaggerated, just to be funny way. Like, that's the kind of love that God has for us. And he invites us into as his people, as the church. And, that's, and I think that's what Romans 12 is really about. So there's so much I could say, right? I'm trying to tell you, like, it's, it's like so, I'm, it, there's so much energy in me when I get to talk about Romans 12. So I'm gonna do the best that I can to sort of like summarize and, and sort of hone in on some things, but I don't want you to get overwhelmed by how overwhelmed I am about this chapter. Uh, I just want you to kind of hone in on one thing, Okay. One thing. And I don't know what the one thing is for you. I'm going to leave that to you and God. But I just want you to kind of think about the one. What's the one thing for you this morning as we talk about Romans 12, 1 through 5? All right? If you wanted to like have a title for this sermon, I think it would just be um, something about being a, uh, a biblically healthy person, I think. 
Uh, that's, that's the best title I've got, okay? Uh, I'm sure there's way better titles, but that's what I just came up with just now um, because I realized I don't have a title. Uh, uh, but bi- being a biblically healthy person, and, and when it, again, I want to say this. I kind of, I want to back back up to the whole like one thing thing. Um, you know, I don't want us to forget this morning that the same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, he was dead, all the way dead. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, if you're in Christ, is in you. And collectively, to have that much power in this room is really big deal. That's a really big deal. And I just want you to kind of take that in for a second. That's how much power is here today. So when we're talking about the one thing and God's invitation, like, it, it's real. Like, it's really real. This isn't just, this isn't just fun. I'm not just here to, like, kind of give you some more tidbits for life. Like, the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is in the room, and if you're in Christ, it's in you. And that make, it makes all the difference in the world. So we should have our hopes up about this morning, okay? I had my hopes up. I've had my hopes up for weeks about this day. All right, and I still have my hopes up this morning that God is going to do something special, inviting you into something new and fresh and beautiful and true this morning. So the whole book of Romans, all right, it's this amazing book, and if you like theology, you you like Romans, all right? If you like the church, you probably like Romans. If you like God, you gotta like Romans. So it's like, man, it's it's a lot there, though. It packs a punch, and Romans 1 through 11 sort of has this whole idea that um, it emphasizes this, this doctrine, this sort of understanding that, that by faith, that you and I can live in right relationship with God. And consequently, we can live in right relationship with ourselves and then with one another. That's basically the theme of the book of Romans, that by faith, we can live in right relationship with God And that means we can have right relationship with ourselves and with one another, which is good news because Paul summed up all 10 of those commandments you read this morning that were kind of overwhelming. He summed all of them up in one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Thankfully, he gives us a lot of good news and a lot of hope to be able to live that out. Romans also teaches this, that because God's love for us is entirely dependent upon him, and his character, and not ours, and not our character, that every one of us stands before him equally. We all stand before him equally. So, so the, the essence of Romans is this. God is for you. He's not against you. And if God is for you, you don't need to be against yourself. And thankfully, if God is for us, no one else can stand against us. And the other theme of Romans I want you to hear is this, that, that competitive comparisons and graded performance have nothing to do with the Christian faith. That's not who we are. Competitive comparisons and graded performance is not who we are. It's not what we're about. That's, that's, that's a worldly idea where we measure ourselves constantly um, and, and sort of look to someone else to be determined about, or to determine how successful or how healthy we are. So, so a biblically healthy person has nothing to do with competitive comparison or graded performances, all right? You're not getting a report card. 
And God is for you in this process. So there's a lot of hope, all right? The pressure's off. Let's all take a big, deep breath, can we? Oh, gosh, okay, good, it feels good. All right. So we got five things we want to talk about that are relationally healthy. What's a relationally healthy person or a biblically healthy person? Five things. I'll try to give them to you real fast, just in case I don't get to all of them. Uh, you get, at least get the, the, the cliff notes. No pun intended. All right. Uh, here we go. Uh, the first thing is this. It's a, a healthy soul is, or a healthy person is a receptive person. It's a receptive person. We're going to talk about that. A healthy person is an embodied person, right? You're not healthy if you're not in your body. Newsflash. Um, you are not you if you're not in your body. You're not alive if you're not, okay? So a healthy, living person is an embodied person. We're going to talk about that. A healthy person is an integrated person. Now, you might be more familiar with the term integrity, but they mean the same thing. So we're going to say a healthy person is an integrated person. They have integrity, and we're going to talk about what that means. Finally, or, or not finally, there's two more. A healthy person is an honest person, an honest person, and a healthy person is, of course, a relational person. I, I started with that. We're going to end with that. All right? So we got a lot of ground to cover. You guys buckle up. You ready? Let's do this. Let's do this. All right. So first and foremost, a healthy person is a receptive person. Romans 12, Paul starts out with this word, uh, therefore, therefore, he's saying, hey, Romans 1 through 11, pretty awesome. So because of all of that, he says, because of all of that, now this, now this. What he's, what he's saying, and, and, and I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, I don't think at all, because if you read the rest of his letters, you get this. What he's saying is, if you, really, if you really are willing to receive by faith the love that God has for you in Christ, then you can love. So it's impossible to be a healthy, loving person without first and foremost receiving love. So we are a healthy person must first be a receptive person, a, a, a listening person. You see, obedience isn't really about doing what God commands. I mean, that's part of it. Obedience isn't really about just doing what God commands. Obedience is first and foremost about listening to what God says and, and primarily listening to what he says about you. Because if you're willing to listen to what God says about who you are, which is really good news, and it's really, really kind of hard to hear because it's so much, it's so intense and it's so delightful. It's like so, it's so rich. If you're willing to hear what he says about you, then you're going to obey. That's really what obedience is at its core. It's about listening to what God says and, and, and primarily listening about what he says concerning you. But what's so hard about listening to God? What's so hard about being receptive? Well, at least three things. There's probably a million, but at least three. One is your opinionated heads, okay? You guys think you know it all. I do too. We, we get in the way of ourselves in this process because we think we know so much. We were listen, I was, uh, Michael and I were listening yesterday to when the disciples went to the transfiguration, you know, and there was like Jesus and Elijah and Moses, and, and then Jesus says to them, um, they're leaving, and he says, uh, I, I, I'm going to misquote Jesus. That's really bad to do. 
but just bear with me, all right? He says something like, um, you know, don't build the temple. They were wanting to build like little temples or tabernacles for all the people. And he was like, hey, don't do that because I'm going to die and then I'm going to rise again in three days after I die. And, and then it says, as they're, in Mark, it says, as they're leaving, that the disciples look to each other and they're like, we do not understand what he means. He's going to die and raise again from the dead. And we were like, you know, it's so funny. We give the disciples a lot of crap for like, come on, guys. Like, seriously, he said he's going to die and he's going to raise from the dead. I mean, that's not very hard to understand, right? I mean, it's pretty clear. He's going to die and then he's going to raise from the dead. But we, it's funny because we think we have so many answers, but I'm, I'm telling you, you don't even, man, we do not even know what we don't know. So our opinionated heads get in the way because we think we know a lot about God and about raising from the dead, and we give the disciples a lot of crap for not getting it figured out, but truth is, we don't have it figured out either, and we would be just as confused as they were. The other thing is our shutdown hearts. It's hard to receive God's love because we have a shutdown heart. In other words, we're not in touch with what we feel. We don't, we don't know what we feel. We don't know our feelings, and people get scared of feelings, and that's understandable, Feelings are pretty powerful, uh, but they're one of the most important parts of your spiritual journey. And if you're not willing to kind of engage with that and you have a shutdown heart, it's, it's going to be really hard to listen to God's love because it's going to change the way you feel. The other thing is our defended bodies or maybe distracted bodies, right? We have this way of just sort of tightening ourselves up when it comes to receiving love. Uh, you ever hug somebody that's just like not into hugs, you know, and it's like, you know, like it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to do that. It's okay. There's a reason they have a defended body. But the truth is that our defended bodies and the pain that we've felt in our bodies that lead us to be defended actually can be an impediment to our receiving love. So we got to talk about that. We got to work through that. It's okay to have an opinionated head. I get it. Like there's reasons why you would do that. It's okay to be, have a shutdown heart and be scared of your feelings. I get that. Same thing with a defendant. I get it. It's all part of being human in a broken world. But those three things, at least those three things, are impediments to receiving love from God. So a receptive soul is a listening soul. And it's also a soul that waits with hope. I love those words that we sang this morning. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't think it, you're working. Even when I'm defended, you're working. You never stop working. It's like when you plant a seed in the ground. I know you're like, there's like some farmers here probably, right? I know one. Spencer's a farmer. I know that. Who else is a farmer? Anybody else? Anybody else plant seeds? Have a garden? Okay. Right. You know the, you know the drill. Like you put the seed in the ground, and then what? You wait. I mean, there's some things you can do in the process, right? You can put some water if you need water, or you can, you know, you want some light, you need some sunlight. There's things that go on in that process, but it's, it's really, truly a waiting process that you don't really have much control over. You can try, but at the end of the day, it's kind of a miracle what happens when a seed that you put in the ground and you bury produces fruit. I love this little poem from a lady named Tina Esmaker. It says this, it was a silent death, a quiet death, a deal made between the soul and the seasons 
to let the seed drop into the ground without a fight, without a sound. Being a a receptive person, a receptive soul, is kind of like it's got something to do with this whole idea of just being willing to take a chance and drop the seed into the ground and see what happens. But we are so focused on the harvest that we have a hard time with the process of dropping the seed in the ground, covering it up, it's dark, it's dead, and it's like, man, I don't want to do that. That's scary, that's hard. Can we just, get to, can we just go to the farmer's market? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> do we have to grow our own stuff? Like, can't we just get something that someone else grew? That's kind of what we do with our spiritual journeys. We just kind of want to skip the process. We want the reward without doing the work of receptive waiting. I'm going to spend a lot of time on the first point, okay? So just, just trust me on this, all right? We'll get to the rest, but just trust me on this. I'm going to spend a lot of time here because I think it's probably the most important. We want the fruit of the Spirit, but we have a hard time receiving the seeds of the Spirit. We want, we want the fruit of the Spirit, man. You, want it, you, you see the fruit of the Spirit? It's like your Ten Commandments. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, I got to love more. I need to be more peaceful. I need to be more patient. I need to be more joyful. I need to be more, uh, what's the other ones? I'm, I'm forgetting them. I have, you know what I'm saying? You got, you got the whole list and you're like, man, those are like your commands and you want to get there. It's like you want to go get the fruit, but we have a really hard time receiving the seeds that produce the fruit. You can't get the fruit without the seed, Right? When it comes to health, okay, listen, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about the sort of legal aspects of being a Christian. Like you receive Christ and you're in Christ and it's like, you're my son, you're my daughter, and it's done. I'm talking about when you leave the courthouse after that and you're trying to live as an adopted son or daughter of Christ, of of God, and you're trying to live with Jesus as your brother and you're like trying to work all that out, like actually believe it's true. That's the part I'm talking about. So I'm not talking about the legal aspects of your, your, your justification, if you will, if you, if you understand what I mean. I'm talking about the working it out, relational part of what it means to be a follower of Christ, a son or daughter of God. And we have a hard time. We want to rush to the fruit, but we have a hard time with the process of planting the seeds. So I want you to think about with me and just process with me the fruits of the Spirit for a second. Not as fruits so much as seeds that are planted in the soil of your soul. As the spirit moves towards you, he moves towards you like a farmer, right? Pulling back the dirt and planting seeds. And he plants the seed of love in you. This is real love, not that you loved God, but that he loved you. And while you were still sinning, Christ died for you. He moves towards you with love, and he plants that seed. And now we can, we can trust, we can wait, we can hope, we know that's going to bring forth fruit. Are you willing to let him plant the seed of joy in your soul? Do you know that he enjoys you? When you see God seeing you, what does his face look like? What do you think God thinks about when he thinks about you? He, he actually enjoys you. You know when God spoke from heaven about Jesus in, in uh, 
at his baptism. Remember what he said? You're my boy, and I'm proud of you. This is my son, and I'm so pleased with him. And now in Christ, as he plants the seed of joy in you, he moves towards you with that kind of joy. He has a smile on his face. He's not annoyed with you. He actually loves you, and he's proud of you. He delights in you. This is my child, and I love her, and I'm proud of her. Can you receive the seed of joy? Can you receive the seed of peace? Will will you open the soil of your heart and let the seed of peace be planted? The creator of the universe has the most non-anxious presence you could ever imagine. He's not worried. He's pretty chill. He made it all. He holds it all together. Every cell in your body is held together by him. He is not stressed. Can you receive that there is a power who has, there is a person who has a relationship with you who's not freaking out about where you're at on your journey? He's not scared of where you're at on your journey. I don't care where you are on the journey. He's not freaking out. He's at peace. Can you receive that peace? Will you appreciate and trust the seed of God's patience with you? He's not anxious, that's true. He, he's really peaceful, but he's also, like, he's also really patient. And he's planted that seed in you of patience. He was patient with Abraham. He was patient with Isaac. He was patient with Jacob. He was patient with Gideon. He was patient with Peter. He was patient with Jonah. He was patient with, I mean, go, the list just goes on and on and on if you look at the scriptures, right? Why would he not be patient with you? He is. He is patient with you. He's not in a hurry. And he's not going to give up. Will you receive the seed of the Spirit's patience with you? Will you allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to receive the seed of kindness? The same kindness that went to the leper and said, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And he, and he touched a leper with his hands. That's the kind of kindness he has towards you. Will you make yourself vulnerable enough to receive that kind of kindness? The same kindness that the man at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus came to him and said, do you want to get well? Do you want to? Because I want, I want to heal you. I'm willing to. Do you want to? That's the kind of kindness he has that he moves towards us with. Can you receive that kindness this morning? Just let the seed drop. Just just relax. Let his kindness move towards you. Can you let the seed of his goodness I already talked about his joy. His goodness is kind of like that. He, he, he does like you. Um, and, and what's interesting, I love the story of Gideon, where Gideon is scared out of his mind. Okay? The Midian, it says in Judges chapter 6, if you need a reference, all right? It's in the Bible. It's an amazing story of this guy 
who is he was so worried and so scared because his enemies like he plants a garden and they just like run their camels through it because they want to like just be jerks. It's kind of how that, that's the kind of life he was living every day. So he's hiding out in a wine press trying to grind wheat to make bread for his family. And he's pretty scared. He's he's watching out for his life. And Jesus shows up and he plants a seed. A seed of goodness. He doesn't come to him and say, Gideon, uh, you know, like, remember, you, you don't need to be scared, man. Like, don't you trust me? What's wrong with you? That's not God, that's not Jesus' first words. The first words that Jesus speaks to Gideon were, Gideon, you mighty hero. You mighty hero. The Lord is with you. This was him planting the seed of goodness in Gideon. Because Gideon, well, it probably wasn't your definition of a mighty hero. All right? You read the rest of the story, I mean, he really struggles with that. Big time. I don't think he, and he actually says, oh, hold, 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 hold. you got the wrong guy. I'm from the like, lowest tribe, the lowest class, and I'm actually, uh, in my family, he calls himself literally the runt of the litter. <laughs> but that's not what Jesus sees in him. He sees his goodness. He sees his beauty. And that's how he sees you. He sees the you that you so desperately want to be because you want to be good, you want to be true, you want to be beautiful, and he sees that already in you, and he moves towards you, and he plants that seed of goodness in you as he moves towards you. Can you receive his never stopping, never giving up, always and forever faithfulness? That's how he loves. He just keeps on coming. Can you receive that seed? That's how he loves you. We receive the seed of his gentleness. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. He says, I'm, I'm humble, I'm, I'm gentle, I'm, I'm lowly at heart. In other words, I can get right where you're at. I know what it's like. I'm not freaking out, like I said earlier. And in fact, I'm actually coming to you with gentleness. Like, you're kind of fragile, and that's okay. He's not rough with you. And the last seed is probably my favorite one. He plants the seed of self-control in us by moving toward us with his perfect, perfect self-control. God moves toward us at just the right speed and at just the right time. You want to be way down the road, don't you? I get it. We all want to be somebody we're not because we, we, you know, we have our mindset. We have this sort of ideal self. We, we have a really hard time just kind of accepting, us, accepting ourselves where we're at. But you ever met a 30-year-old who wants to act like a 60-year-old? It's kind of weird. You know what I'm saying? You ever met a 10-year-old that thinks they're like 40? That'd be weird. Like, be 10. It's okay. You can be 25. It's all right. Your brain just now finally came together. That's real. It did. That's why it's so expensive to rent cars until you're 25. It's okay to be 25. It's more expensive, but it's okay. You don't, you're not 40. That's okay. You don't need to be 40. He, his current of grace runs at just the right speed and at just the right time. 
And that's the seed he's planting in your soul to allow you now to chill out on your journey. It, I mean, the, the current of grace, of God's grace is like, sometimes it's like a raging river, you know? We went to see the, I know how to pronounce it, Shoshone Falls, okay, <laughs> yesterday. Not much of a fall happening right now, okay? There's something there. But we saw it, all right? That's how the current of grace is sometimes. There's winter, and, and it's kind of dry. And then summer comes, and it's like a rushing river, and it's gushing, and it's like kind of feels dangerous because it's so intense, it's so big, it's so much. Sometimes it's like a little trickle, though. Sometimes it feels like you need to get out and carry your boat, you know? It's like, where are we going, Jesus? Like, are we here? Are you with me? Like, what's happening? But then you notice the current's actually still there, and you look back and you realize all this time you've been riding the current. Let him plant the seed of self-control in you. Because that's how, he's, that's how he's moving towards you. If you long for something more with God and other people, come on the journey of receptivity. Come on the journey of listening. Come on the journey of waiting, letting the seed be planted in your soul. Don't try to get in a hurry bearing fruit. It'll come. Be receptive. It doesn't start by kicking down doors. Hear this word but by opening the door of your soul to the one who's always knocking. That's how the journey goes. Just open the door. He'll come in. All right, that's probably enough of a sermon right there. <laughs> to be a healthy person, we are embodied people as well. I just want you to know that your body matters to your spirituality. Your body matters to God. That's why Jesus took a body. That's why he came and, and had a body. Because he wanted to show us that our bodies matter. And, and, and he gave us bodies from the beginning. He made us out of the, out of the dust. He could have just made like, you know, little spirits flying around. Casper the ghost or whatever, you know. But he didn't. That's not what he did. He gave us bodies. And your body matters to God, and your body knows a lot about God. Your body is not just simply a machine for doing things. It's actually a means of knowing things. Your body is not just a suitcase for your brain. Okay? I love these. This is interesting. From a, lady, a neuroscientist. Her name is Hillary McBride. She says this. The vagus nerve. Anybody ever heard of that? Good. All right. Where are we? The vagus nerve, all, all you yoga people know about the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is a multi-branch nerve that acts as the information superhighway between the brain and the body. Hear this now. 90% of the neural messages passed through this nerve flow from the body to the brain. 90% come from your body to the brain. The other 10% come from your brain back to your body. The ratio of these neuronal messages highlights the emergent scientific findings that God already knew, which is why in Romans 12, he says this, give your bodies to God. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Paul wasn't just, he really meant your body, like your actual body. Give it to God. Let it be a part of your, your spiritual journey. 
Now, there's amazing things that live in your body. Your body knows amazing things. And, I, and I'm not going to get into all of that. We could talk about that for days. But here's what I just want you, I want to ask you this. What are you doing with your body, with your sleeping, with your eating, with your breathing? Do you ever pay attention to it? It's important to pay attention to your body. You know, I meet with people a lot who are dealing with relational problems. And it's like, okay, I was like, how much did you sleep last night? Well, I'm not sleeping well. I haven't slept well for like 20 years. All right. Well, let's start there. You know? Let's start there. What's going on in your body? We want to get to the the love piece. We want to get to the relational stuff. Yeah, but you got to start with your body because that's where it all lives. So a healthy person pays attention to their body. And Paul makes that point very clear. He says, give your body to God. You want to know God's will for you? You want to know what it means to live healthy in relationship and in community? Well, pay attention to your body. Give it to God. He wasn't just referring to like the Old Testament stuff. Yes, I think there's a connection between the Old Testament sacrifices and what he was trying to, to, he's trying to connect some of that. But he was really talking about our real bodies where the Holy Spirit really lives and where you really feel feelings and where you really feel pain. That's where it happens, in your body. So paying attention to our body actually is a, it's the doorway to, to, to gratitude. It's the doorway to sort of opening us up a bit more to worship and attentiveness to what God is actually doing. So pay attention to your body. All right. I don't know where we're at on time. I totally lost track. No, no, no. I want to, okay, okay. Let's go, let's go to integrated now. So a healthy person is first a receptive person, and we spend a lot of time on that. We want to focus on not the fruit of the Spirit first, but the seed of the Spirit moving in toward us. Secondly, that seed moves in into our bodies, so we got to pay attention to what's going on in our bodies. We want to give our bodies to God. If you want to know God's will, give your body to God. Pay attention to what's going on. You're eating, you're sleeping, you're breathing, your ordinary day-to-day, going to work, driving your car, all the things. What are you doing with your body? Third, a healthy person is an honest person. I'm sorry, an integrated person. A healthy person is an integrated person. Paul says, don't be conformed, but be transformed. Here's another way to kind of say what he was saying there. Don't, Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So he's talking about, first, give your body to God. Secondly, he says, Don't be conformed to the behaviors and the the customs, the patterns of the world, but let God transform you by changing the way you think. In other words, once you give your body to God, those 90% neural messages, all of a sudden, you kind of relax into receiving the spirit of Christ. You relax into receiving God's love, and it starts to change not just the way you feel in your body, it changes the way you think, which changes what you do. Integrated people are people who have a connection between their bodies their heads, and their, and their hands, what they do, their actions. A lot of us want to, to really focus on doing. Some of you, your personalities are kind of wired that way. You want to get things done. Good for you. A healthy person gets things done after they think about it and connect it to their feelings. Some of us just want to act out of our feelings, our hearts. We have big old hearts, and it's so beautiful, and it's so nice, And a lot of us really appreciate nurturing presence and big hearts. But if we live on just our hearts and just our feelings, we are not integrated people. We do not have integrity. Feelings will become controlling. 
and your emotional dashboard is going to sort of like, you know, like your lights are going off all the time. It's like it's hard to really move forward in a healthy way when your emotional dashboard lights are just constantly alerting you that everything's, everything's a problem. So we got to pay attention to the feelings, but we need to integrate them with our, our thoughts, our thinking, our logic. So we have experience, a lot of this sort of feelings experience. We've got logic, we've got our thoughts, and then we have our action, our choices. And those three spaces need to be working together. So I just want you to know, as a healthy person, you can pay attention to that. Don't be conformed to the behaviors and, and the patterns of the world, which kind of say, hey, just play to your strengths, be who you are. You're a feelings person, just be that. It's cool. Just do whatever. You know? Like, it's, there's not a focus in the world about being a fully integrated person of thoughts, good theology, for instance, feelings, like paying attention to what, what I've actually lived, the pain I actually have experienced in my life, and then making choices out of that. That's, that's healthy integration, and that's, I think, what Paul's talking about. If you want to know God's will for you, well, change the way you think by giving your body to God, and then you'll know what to do. Give your body, let it line up with your thoughts, and, I mean, man, what a powerful combination. Kind of makes sense. And that's what it means to have integrity. We think integrity is just about what you do. You do the moral thing. You do the right thing. You have integrity. Actually, that's not what it is at all. Integrity means being whole or undivided, working together like a connection between the parts. That's what it means to be a healthy person. Paul seems to make that point clear. You don't get to action or choice without the practice of processing, integrating your feelings and your thoughts. All right, that, I know there's a lot there. We could talk about that for a long time too, right? But we're going to move on. Honesty. A healthy person is an honest person. Paul says this, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Don't think you're better than you really are. All right? Just be honest. Be honest. I think that's one of the most challenging things in the work that we do with, with pastors and leaders is that most of them aren't very honest. They kind of like, they feel they've got these internal expectations, they have external expectations, and they have a hard time just being honest about what's really going on. I don't know what just happened, but that's changing. Um, and Paul says this, hey, if you want to live healthy in community and relationship, you got to have, he says, sober judgment, measure yourself according to the faith that God has given you. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. A healthy person isn't measured by what he or she produces, but rather by their willingness to be honest about who they really are and what they really need. And our willingness to be honest is really about our capacity for trust. The reason we're dishonest is because we don't trust other people. I don't trust you, to, I don't trust you enough to tell you what's really happening in here. So I gotta like put on this show, right? I gotta have a mask, I gotta... You know, and so that gets, really, that gets really tricky, and we can start deceiving ourselves in a lot of ways. And, and I'll tell you what, the problem with being deceived is that you don't know you're in it. Right? Like, like when's the last time you woke up in the morning and you were like, I guess, I, I, I guess I'm deceived. It, it doesn't happen like that. We, we come to terms with our deception when it starts to hurt somebody. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh gosh, I'm... I'm tricked. And frankly, I've not been being honest. 
So a healthy person is willing to, to, to work through and become honest about who they really are and what they really need. And, and that's done through a cultivation of trust. That's why Paul says, hey, measure yourselves by trust, by the faith that God's given you. We are all on a spectrum of mistrust. Either you don't trust me or you don't trust yourself. I'm sorry, either you, don't, you, either you trust me and you don't trust yourself or you don't trust me and you only trust yourself. Do you see the difference? On one end, it's like, hey, I don't trust anybody. I know what's best. On the other end, I don't trust myself. Can you please tell me what to do? Because I'm really nervous and I just need, can I make you happy? I want to make you happy. I want, I want to know that, that I matter to you. I belong to you. Can I, so I'll do whatever. And over here, it's like, leave me alone. You know, I got this figured out. Get away from me. You're too close. Woo, back up, back up. Do you see the difference? That's because we all have this problem of mistrust. At its core, sin is living in a state of reactive mistrust. It's either I'm going to be way over here, I don't want anybody close to me, or I'm going to be way over here, and I'm so scared to be honest about who I really am, I just want to be defined by everybody else. And we live in that, that way of staying safe. And we, 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 we're, we're not honest. We're not honest about who we really are because we're so scared if we were honest about who we really were, either it, it would just be too, too, too scary. And, and people would leave us and we'd be alone and hurting. And so we find ways to survive that. But God is inviting us back to this sort of middle space where he says, hey, you can be honest about who you really are. It's safe here with me. I'm moving toward you. And trust ultimately enables us to be present to God and others without these defenses of either stay away or come close. I need more, I need more, I need more. We cannot love well or be loved well without a willingness to trust, without a capacity for trust and, and, and a capacity for being honest about who we really are. Healthy relationship only happens at the intersection of honesty and hope. You get a lot of honesty without hope, it's going to kill you. You get a lot of hope without honesty, it's going to kill you. you got to have both. And that's what the gospel of Christ is. Again, Paul's saying, look, he's moving towards you because of all he's done. Now you can, you can safely give your body to God. You can be honest about who you really are. You can measure yourselves by, by trust. Where are you on the trust, on the trust spectrum? Figure that out. That's how you're going to know what to do and how to live and how to be in community and in relationship. And that brings us kind of to the close. A healthy soul recognizes that it's a relational soul. A healthy soul recognizes that it's a relational soul. It's, Paul says, hey, each part of the body has a special function. We're many parts of one body. That's what he says in Romans 12. We all belong to each other. You cannot survive apart from relationships. If you have children, you know that. If you don't have children, you know that. You cannot survive without relationship. It's impossible. It's amazing to me, though, because it's like it's the one thing we can't live without, but it's also the thing that makes it hardest to live, right? It's like, man, I, I, don't, I don't feel much pain in my life apart from relationships. You know what I'm saying? It's where I'm wounded the most and the deepest. 
But we're wounded, in rela- we're wounded in relationships, but the truth of the gospel is we're also healed in relationships. So that's why Jesus comes. That's why God comes. That's why the Spirit comes as a part of a community, as a, as a trinity. I love this. Think about this. Where are the most wounding, where, where have you experienced the most wounding in your relational world? It's in one of three places, I, I, I guess. One of three places. It's either been in your relationship with your parents, a relationship with your siblings, or your, your sort of family, or it's been in relationships with, with friends, with, with people who you thought were with you and for you and that, that they, really, they really liked you and loved you, but you, you've been betrayed. I, I put marriage in that category, okay? So, so our deepest wounds either come from, from our family of origin, parents who either were there or weren't there, or any combination of issues, our brothers and sisters who might have hurt us, abused us, wounded us, didn't have our backs, fought with us all the time, or with these new friends, these new relationships we build through friendships and we fall in love or we get married or we, we just have good friends and, and then they leave and then we're not friends anymore and we don't really understand what happened and it really hurts, right? So it's in these, these three spaces and that's how God shows up to us, right? As a parent, he shows up and he says, I can show you what it means to be a really, really, really perfect parent who loves you no matter what. God is father. God is a parent. And then he says, I'm going to send Jesus and I'm going to show you what it means to have a, actually have a brother. And he had a brotherhood. And he had people in his life that were like sisters to him, very close to him. And he was a perfect brother. He was a perfect sibling. And he shows us what it's like to experience healing there. And then he sends his spirit as a friend, as an advocate, as a comforter, as a, as a person who just never leaves us. They, he's closer than we, to us than we are to ourselves. He literally becomes one with us, taking up residence in our body and saying, I'm going to pray. Even when you don't know the words to pray, I'm going to feel your pain with you and I'm going to pray for you. He groans for us. He feels our pain even when we don't have words. That's how close he is to us. Can you imagine if your marriages were like that? Can you imagine if your friendships were like that? Can you imagine if this church could function and operate that closely, belonging to one another like the spirit belongs to us, where we advocate for one another, we comfort one another, we nurture one another? That's beautiful. That's healing. You were created for relationship. Though it's the place you've been wounded the greatest, it is the only way, it's the only way forward, the only path to growth and to healing and to health is trying, trying it again, learning to love again. And the gospel is a constant invitation back into relationship with a father, with a brother, with a friend. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And when we accept his invitation, we discover that our life is lived in the very life of the triune God. And he says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks on the door, it will be opened. So my, my heart for you this morning is this. Will you listen to his pursuing love? Will you receive the seeds of the Spirit 
Can they be, will, you, will you let them be planted? Maybe just one today. Just one of those seeds. Let it be planted. Let it really be planted and, and then just wait. Just be quiet with that seed for a bit. Will, will you see God in the ordinariness of your body? Will you, will you allow your spirituality to start to sort of work together with your body? I don't know where you're at on that journey, but maybe you need to start paying closer attention to, what, to, to your sleep, to your, eat, to, to your eating, to your breathing, to what you're feeling, the tension in your body. Maybe you need to start paying attention to how tight your shoulders actually are. Okay? Need more backgrounds. All right? That could be a spiritual thing. Just relax. Will you express your true feelings to God and integrate those with your thoughts? and then choose to, to, choose to act out of that place. Will you be honest about where you're at on the spectrum of trust and mistrust and just say what you need? When we answer these questions, again, truly, we're participating in life with God. And one way or the, here's, here's, the, here's the, the last word from Romans chapter 11. Right before Paul says all of this, this was his prayer. This is from The Message. You've probably heard of that by Eugene Peterson. He says, he translates Paul's prayer in Romans 11 this way. In one way or another, God makes sure that we all experience what it means to be on the outside, to be lonely, so that we can personally open the door, so that he can personally open the door and welcome us back in. In one way or another, God makes sure that we all experience what it means to be on the outside so that he can personally open the door and welcome us back in. Have you ever come on anything quite like this extravagant generosity of God, this deep, deep wisdom of God? It's way over our heads and we'll never figure it out. Is there anyone around that can explain God? Anyone smart enough to tell him what to do? Anyone who's done him such a huge favor that God asks his for his advice? No. Everything comes from him. Everything happens through him. Everything ends up in him. Always glory. Always praise. Yes, yes, yes. And because of all of this, give your whole self to God. All of you, with all of him, in honesty and the hope, the same hope and power that raised Jesus from the dead. Man, we can get our hopes up. We really can. You can leave with hope. This is, a, this is a crazy journey. It's a wild journey. It's a rough journey. It's a hard journey. But we can leave with hope. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, thank you for this. Thank you for these kind people who listen to my passion and energy. And thank you for their willingness to be here and to listen to God. Thank you for their willingness to keep showing up even when it's hard to see what you're doing, even when we don't feel what you're doing, we know you're still working, so please keep working. Keep, keep bringing Taproot Church together in a way that is just so recognizable to the city of Twin Falls that God is here, really here. We ask this prayer in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.